Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Second Sunday of the year, second Sunday of 2024, Christmas and New Year's Day, come and gone. Some of us might still be on holidays or still have family and friends visiting. For others, the year has well and truly started. Another year ahead of us. Hmm. Yep. Therefore, we might want to ask ourselves the following five questions. What type of year do you want? That's a good one to start with. What type of year do you want? What are you hoping for? What do you want to achieve? Personally, professionally, socially and spiritually. Here's one I reckon's for all of us. Do you have any unfulfilled dreams, projects, and or lingering ambitions? In 2024, what are you planning for? One of the founders of the, uh, <coughs> of the United States, Benjamin Franklin, you may have heard of him, he said this, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Now, we could keep going and look at a number of uh, quotes by notable people, but more importantly, what does God say about planning? Let's consider three verses from the book of wisdom, that is the book of Proverbs, Old Testament book. In chapter 15, 22, he says this. This is God speaking in each occasion. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. 16.3, he says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Sounds good. 16.9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And I guess the one key difference between us and God, well, not the one, a key difference between us and God, is that God's intelligent measurement is affinity. There's no limit, absolutely no limit to his intellect, to his wisdom. And I, I just get comfort in that. Especially if I look at my benchmark. He has no need for a proven template for strategic planning. He alone created the heavens and the earth. In fact, whatever universes exist, And we're still discovering some. Whatever universes exist, it's simply a product of him conceiving and producing them. Even to the minest, minest, minute detail. But for us mere mortals, having methods that work with our individuality and our preferred ways of doing things can benefit us. The title of today's uh, message is Choices. Do I repeat, reset, or resync? Choices. Do I repeat, reset, or resync? And the subtitle would be Only You Can Choose. So, choices, yes? Choices? Let's make a start on it. 
You know, I love Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I kind of, almost every time, it's part of my... But there's good reasons for it. Firstly, let's remind you what it says. It says, let us make humans in our image to be just like us. That's God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit speaking. Elohim, God Almighty. One of the things I really love about Genesis 1.26 is the reality of God creating me to have freedom and the freedom to choose, the will to choose, just like our God does. Church, we are so fortunate. I, I just... I haven't been to many places in the world, but I've been to a few. And we are so fortunate to live in the free world. Most of us were born in free world countries where choice is a democratic privilege. And we make a huge number of choices every day. In fact, you can do this. Various internet sources have deduced that overall we make an eye-popping 35,000 choices every day. 35,000 choices per day. Of this number, Keenan, you'll, and uh, we're at Kelly, you'll, you'll be very pleased to hear this. <clears throat> of this number of 35,000, 227 choices are made just on food alone, <laughs> according to researchers at Cornell University. Of course, Cornell's research also concludes that the majority of those 35,000 choices that we make each day are not going to seriously impact our lives in a significant way, but many will, including what we eat and what we say. Senior pastor and uh, internationally famous author on leadership, John Maxwell sums up the importance of decision-making like this. Life is a matter of choices. Every choice you make, makes you. Now, unlike the vast majority of you here, maybe all of you, who probably can't remember ever making a poor choice, as if it's a strange or even a foreign concept. By contrast, I sometimes think that I'm highly qualified to speak on the subject of poor choices. Yet even having experienced the consequences of those choices, I spasmodically, I'll be more accurate, I regularly still make decisions that result in me missing the mark. Yet occasionally, just occasionally, I make brilliant choices. Firstly, Convincing Sue and then asking Sue to marry me. Now, come on, that was just absolute brilliance right there and then. <laughs> Saying yes to Jesus, well, what an internally awesome choice that one was. And there are a few other choices that opened the doors of opportunities, choices that favoured me and favoured me, those around me. Of course, God has spoken to us about what choices to make. In Deuteronomy 13, 30 and uh, 19, yep, that's up on the screens, good. I uh, call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children will live. Saying yes to Jesus' invitation, 
Justin said this earlier. Saying yes to that invitation is the best choice a human being could ever make. Why? It's funny, I was expecting somebody to sing out why, but <laughs> clearly you must already know. But anyway, I'll tell you <laughs> why. Well, for a start, it changes everything. It really does. By choosing Jesus, we choose eternal life over eternal death. We choose blessings over cursings, favour and provision over condemnation and lack, love over hatred, prayer over ignorance, purpose over meaninglessness, directions over wandering, intimacy over loneliness. And we choose life. That's right. We choose the opportunity to live on earth abundantly. All of this and more at just saying yes. As simple as saying, yes, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I want you to become my Lord and my Saviour. Which basically means I want you to be my rescuer and I want you to be my captain. At the beginning of every year, we truly get the opportunity to reflect on these five things. Firstly, we reflect on our past experiences. Most of us do that, don't we? We have a bit of a break, we think back, we think forward, we think about our... But when we're thinking back, we're thinking probably more of what, what have we experienced, what have we been through. Number two, we consider where we are right now. Where, what's our current position? Where's my satisfaction level? What's the, what's the bank balance like? What's the emotional balance like? Number three, we restore... Un, well, we have the opportunity, the choice to restore unfulfilled dreams. Four, we plan directions for our desired roadmap. And five, we commit to our plans. However, if we want to make good choices, we should be mindful of the environment that choices exist in. Choices do not exist unilaterally, as if they are the only planet in their universe. For a start, choices are surrounded by options and opportunities, by opportunities, by obstacles, optimism and oppression. <clears throat> as adults in the free world, we exist in the cultural experience that in the main we have created. The cultural experience that we are all, um, all ready to allow to remain as our perceived reality. I'll say that again. Or at least the cultural experience that we allow to remain as our perceived reality. We face the onset of truth and lies every day. But again, as Christians, we have Numbers 23, 19 which promises that God is not a man that... <clears throat> I was going to say God is not a man who should lie because I've learned it in that version. But God is not a man, so he does not lie. This is uh, NLT, by the way, New Living Translation you're looking at. Uh, he's not human, so he does not change his mind. He's <clears throat> has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and has not carried it through? Church, God wants us to win. That's, that's a fundamental thing that we, we really need to grab hold of. God just wants us to win. 
1 John 5, 4 says, For every child of God... Thanks, honey. <laughs> See what compliments do? <laughs> for, every, for every child of God... Um, uh, for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve victory through our faith. You know, church, even if you think your faith is weak, you have the promise from Jesus who said this in Matthew 17, 20. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. In the original English uh, uh, translation, that is the New King James Version of the Bible, you'll find it phrased this way. If you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, which further illuminates the tininess of faith required to move whatever existing obstacle lies between you and your desired success. Now, we regularly see a problem and perceive it as being the size of Mount Everest. But God considers your issue to be a mere road bump. The key is to never forget that God wants you to win. Consider Matthew 19, 6. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. And again... God wants you to win. It's in his promise in Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Tim Grosvenor, coach of NBA legends Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, regularly told them, If you think the price of winning is too high, wait till you get the bill for regret. Church, never let the chances against you keep you from doing what you know in your heart you're meant to do. Okay, so that was the intro. Now we're going to get into solving the topic. What choice do I need to make? As I see it, God puts before us three options. You may find some others, but when I kind of tried to break it down, put them under umbrellas, it came down to just three. Let me frame this up a little by saying, when considering these three options, we should be wise enough to use the intellect that God has given us. We can learn from the past. Consider our current, our present position. And we look to the future that we desire. We can choose our winning pathway by first seeking God's engagement. Um, You you, you might think you're the captain, but a good captain needs a great navigator. A good pilot needs a great navigator. Now, I know everything's done by GPS these days, but even so, you get the point. We need to seek God's engagement. And then we need to determine... Which strategy best suits us? Do we repeat? Do we reset? Or do we resync? And now I know we all know what they mean, but we also know that we are so different. 
God says we are uniquely knitted together in our mother's womb. And of course today science has long since proved that via DNA. We have different personalities, different skill sets. We have different histories and experiences. We find ourselves in different current circumstances. So it would be illogical, wouldn't it, to think that a one-fits-all strategy is appropriate for everyone? We all need to consider how our past decisions, practices and patterns have delivered the current, pat- sorry, the, current <clears throat> the current position we find ourselves in. And then remind ourselves about what we want in the future. And let's also remind ourselves again of those definitions. The first option is to repeat. It means simply to make something happen more than once or to do something more than once. Second option is to reset. Uh, It means just to start again over a period of uh, rest or a change so that you feel better able to deal with your life or situation. COVID-19 has provided many people with an opportunity to reset. The third option is to re, re, oh, sorry, resynchronize, resync. Um, it means to, again, make two things reach the same or related stage at the same times. A couple of examples. One would be, you know, the, the, everyone's got keys these days that, for their car that, you know, it's a fob, so electronic fob. Um, but occasionally, who's ever had this experience? You go out to your car and you push the button or you walk up to the door of the modern cars and you put your hand and nothing happens. What happens is that the code's gone and uh, you need to resynchronize to get that code back. Another example would be... Uh, sorry. Yeah, another example would be uh, to synchronize our watches. This used to be happen in movies when I was a kid. Every third movie had this in it, you know. Let's synchronise our watches so we can be there at the same time. Or blow up this at the same time. Or land this, whatever. But a question for all of us should be this. Should I keep repeating what I'm already currently doing? Should I keep repeating what I'm already doing? And obviously that depends on our current circumstances. Am I winning? Not just physically, not just financially and materially but spiritually and emotionally as well? Am I achieving my purpose, my calling? If so, come on, if so, if that's you, one, I'm in admiration, but you should be repeating what you're already doing. If that was me, I'd be repeating what I was already doing because I've obviously established some patterns that are working. Otherwise, now this is me, otherwise I should stop repeating what I'm doing and continually expecting a different outcome. If my decision is to stop repeating what I'm doing, the next question must be, do I need to reset or resync? Do I need dramatic changes or some fine-tuning? And here's a great example, just right there, in that question is a great example of when we should pray. We should allow the Holy Spirit to guide us to determine whether we need dramatic changes or just some fine-tuning. Since my uh, salvation moment, uh, which is coming up later this year for 45 years, there have been times when I needed to reset. Times when I had not just missed the mark, but I was close to losing my way. 
Ask yourself this question right now, today. Am I just missing the mark a little? Or am I close to losing the way? At other times and other seasons of my life, I knew that I was just missing the mark a little. Sue pointed out, just the other day, Sue pointed out this great example. It's, it's a little like when you're streaming something on your phone or your smart TV and the spoken words that you're, you're seeing the mouths move, but they're not lining up with the optics. And, and, and the only way we know how to do that is to get out of it and then go back in. It seems to be all fine. Um, so, three options, repeat, reset or resync. Three different roadmaps, but all have the same desired outcomes. Church, be encouraged. God is a creator and a builder. While our common enemy, Satan, well, he's just a destroyer. Satan and his agent demons will tell you lies like, you can't do that. You always fail. The odds are so against you. Who's ever sensed inside something like that? Something that's confronting you and it's like, oh, man. Well, friends, let me say this. Never let the chances against you, or sorry, the chances that you feel or sense, never let them keep you from doing what you know in your heart that you're meant to do. God will make a way for you. He can navigate anything that you come up against. In Ephesians 6, 10 and 11, it says this, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you are able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Romans 8, 31 says, What then shall we say to these things, these obstacles, these problems, these challenges, these doubts, these wonders? What should we say to these things? If God is for us, who? Who can possibly be? What can possibly be? If God is for us, nothing of any substance can be against us. Beloved brothers and sisters here today, we need to be careful of what we think and perhaps more importantly, we need to be careful of what we speak. Philippians 4.7 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And Proverbs 18.21, most of you know this one, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. In other words, you're going to reap what's sown. When I think about these two scriptures and the reality of my daily walk, I tend to think about proportionality. We are human beings. We are only saved. Someone, I think it was Justin, said this earlier. We're only saved by the grace gift of Jesus Christ. It might have been Nick, actually. We are so not perfect. Rather, we are saved from our sins, our regular or regularity of missing the mark. And I ask myself, are my thoughts excellent and praiseworthy more often than they are not? 
And do I speak more life words than deaf words? I'll give you a quick example of a deaf word. Someone says something complimentary towards you and says they think you could do this. And you say, I doubt that. You've just spoken deaf into you don't know, but could be a word from God. And, and yet, as human beings, as mere mortals, we, we, we kind of do that all the time, don't we? Well, some of us. Gee, am I the only one? Okay. <laughs> I imagine, um, since you've said yes to Jesus, and I know that most of the people in the room have, many of you would have adapted, or, sorry, adopted uh, one or two or a few, perhaps, Life verses, you know the one I'm talking about, don't you? The ones you've memorised or that you've written on your heart. Um, I know I certainly have. These are your your go-to verses. The ones that God has deeply impressed within you and has made them so personal and convicting. Too high on my shortlist uh, and are relevant for today's message. One's a purpose verse. My core purpose. Of course... The truth in this verse is for everyone. But I tripped as if God has just said it so he can grab it. Or say for me, sorry, to grab it, to grab hold of it and to hold on tight. Never let go. In fact, it was today's suggested core topic verse that I asked you to write down. Colossians 2.7, which says this for those who may not know. Let your roots go down into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your fruit will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Decades ago, I know that's hard to believe, but decades ago, Sue and I completed a two-year course or a study series developed by um, and published by the parachurch organisation um, known as the Navigators. You've probably heard of anybody who reads Christian materials, probably heard of Nav Press. It's the same organisation. The series was titled the 2 7 series. It was a small group uh, disciple resources course. Fortunately, some of the people that, we, that did that with, our cohort uh, for that course, we're still friends with. And by the end of it, we knew a lot more about the true meaning of let your roots go down in Him and let your lives be built on Him. The other verse, at least for me, the other verse is inspirational. And for me, again, it's motivational. I love the book of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, it says this, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to do or to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper. Who's into contracts? Anybody got a right? Have we got any lawyers in the place? Anybody got a right contracts? Anybody got to read contracts before somebody in your organisation signs them? You know what the preamble is, and then you get down to you know the consideration. You get down to value. You get yeah, okay. Offer and acceptance. Yeah, okay. I love this because in this scripture, I see the preamble, and then I see the outcome. I see the subject clauses, but I see the outcome. 
Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen too many warranties like that. You know, we, we, we bought a couple of things from Bunnings the other day and we opened up to see if we had to go online and register, you know, the, the receipts and so forth. And, and, and there was nothing there about succeeding with this tool in all that you do. But here, that's God saying that. I really love the context of this verse. Many of you will know the circumstances of Joshua, and I'm going to go quickly through this. Um, Joshua found himself experiencing at the beginning of chapter 1 of the book of Joshua. However, for anyone present who may not be familiar with the story, I'll um, certainly try and get through it quickly. Let me start with the um, predicament he found himself in. His father-like military boss and mentor named Moses, you may have heard of him, whom he adored, had recently died. Joshua was still mourning his death. He was possibly still in shock. He was in an all-time low, likely have been entering a depressed state. At the time, at that time in history, rather, Joshua and his peer leader and friend, Caleb, were considered young even though they probably weren't quite what we would consider young these days. And they were already established and militarily competent leaders from each of their respective ancestral tribes. These weren't, you know, privates or corporals. And earlier in Numbers 13, under instructions from Moses, they had gone in on a reconnaissance trip in, uh, deep into the territory of their enemy. So I'll I'll just read some extracts from that chapter. Upon their return, they reported to Moses a very different perspective to other soldiers within their company. The consensus of the 12 that had been sent out uh, led Moses to (coughs) spend, sorry, to um, Moses to spy, sorry, the spies reported back to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We've entered the land you sent us to and explored. And it is indeed a bountiful country and it's a bountiful land flowing with milk and honey. Here is a kind of fruit. They brought back examples of the fruit, the produce. But the people living there are powerful and their towns, they're large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. But Caleb tried to quieten the people as they stood before Moses. He said, look, let's go at once to the land. Let's take that land. Let's conquer. We can certainly conquer it, were his words. But the other men who had explored the land disagreed with him. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report around and about the land of the Israelites. The land we travelled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We saw giants. Again, we saw these descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's exactly what they thought too. But fortunately... God had other plans for Joshua and for the Israelites. So now back to Joshua and his present state of mind. Let me wrap this up by quoting just the start of uh, the book of Joshua. 
after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, is my servant, is dead. Fancy being in a pretty bad state, mourning over your hero, mourning over your kind of spiritual dad, mourning over your, your boss, your mentor, who had, who had led you well through many battles and taken much ground. And God says, listen, Moses is dead. Moses, the Lord's servant, um, was dead. My servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the river Jordan into the land that I am giving them. I promise whatever I promised Moses, I promise you. Whatever, wherever you set your foot, you'll be on the land that I've given to you. From Negev wilderness to the south, to, in, in the south, sorry, to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates uh, River, you might have heard a little bit about this lately, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous for <clears throat> you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to you their ancestors. Um, and I promised that I'd give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them um, by turning left or right. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Church, right there, right there is where Moses, Joshua had to decide. He was faced with the very same choice of today's message for you. He was faced with this. Do I repeat? Do I reset? Or do I resync? And right now, I sense the Holy Spirit just once again saying, only you can choose. In conclusion, based on all that God's given me to say today, can I leave you with two final statements that might assist you in determining whether to repeat, reset, or resync. 1 John 5 and 4 says this. It's God speaking. For every child of God defeats this. We've already mentioned this earlier on. But every child of God defeats this evil world and will, we will achieve this victory through our faith. And finally, Revelation twenty-two nineteen. By the way, the third last verse of the Holy Bible if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove from that person's share of, in the tree of life and in the holy city that are as, as described in this book. Well, friends, and as the team slowly come back, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.